I feel like preaching to somebody in here tonight. Praise God. We're going to 2 Kings chapter 5. Good to be in the house of the Lord, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Just because the worship team has gone down, the choir has gone down, worship service isn't over. Praise God. How many of you know it's still all right to run while the preacher's preaching? Praise God. I feel him in my hands. Woo, I feel him in my feet. I feel him in my heart. Ah. My, my. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. Verse number 1. Praise the Lord. I feel revival in the house. I said, I feel revival in the house. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor. But he was a leper. He was a leper. Now verse number 8 and it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thou clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go, everybody say, Go, go. and wash in Jordan seven times. Everybody shout seven times. And thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. Amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. I don't know where the Lord's going to take us, but I'm going. And if he ain't going, I'm not either. Praise God. This is a powerful story of a powerful man. Naaman was uh, all of his accolades that was given to him by the writer of the kings. He said that he was a great man. He was an honorable man. That by him the Lord had given deliverance. That he was a mighty man in valor. And then comes that conjunction that joins his accomplishments together with his failure. But he was a leper. It seems that no one ever walks in victory without having something attached to them. Oh my, that's always pulling them in the other direction. That one thing that you just can't seem to get over. But God was dealing with me today in such a powerful way. As a matter of fact, it was when I walked off the platform and went to my office this morning. I was sitting by myself just trying to decompress and the Lord began to deal with me. And at 12.02 this afternoon, I began to write some things down on my phone. Just sitting in the office, the Lord speaking to me about how this whole thing worked out, how this whole scenario went down, how all of this happened. And it's so easy sometimes when we've preached things before and we've heard things preached before to miss a principle that God is trying to speak to us. And so I said, Lord, what is it that you're trying to say to me? How, how, how is it that you're trying to work on me? I've preached this a thousand times, not literally, but you feel like it. You've preached I mean, Lord, who hasn't preached about Naaman being healed of leprosy? We, we heard it 
at least 14 times during revival with Brother Shepherd in seven weeks. He was two feet from a miracle. I would like to hear the end of that sermon someday. But Joe Green had to come get the Holy Ghost and they didn't get to finish the message. Praise God. Two feet from a miracle. Now some of you are wondering, so I'm going to steal a few minutes of Shepherd's sermon. It didn't mean you were 24 inches from a miracle. It meant the only thing keeping you from it was your two feet standing still. Because the prophet said, go and wash. But you can stand there and argue and say, that ain't the way I planned on getting healed. You're only two feet. I hope he watches this so he knows I gave him credit. He gets selfish with sermons. It's the way evangelists are. You got to watch them. But there truly is a time in your life. And I'm going to be real with you and then we're going to have a Holy Ghost time. There's a time that comes in your life where you get frustrated with how God's working or the lack thereof. This was a mighty man that came to the prophet of the Lord. He was not a man of God. He was a mighty man of valor that came to a man of God. And he had it in his mind that when he got to Elisha, or at least we suppose that he had something contrary to what Elisha said to him on his mind because when he got there and Elisha sent the little servant girl out to him and said, go and wash and dip seven times in the Jordan, the Bible said that he became frustrated. And he starts naming some other rivers. He said, now there's got to be somewhere better than that. There, there's got, I came all this way. Now somebody's here tonight feeling like I came all this way to get to the house of the Lord and this is how it's going to happen. I, I didn't plan on going to the Jordan River. I, I, I would have rather gone to the Abana or the Fapar River and would have rather rinsed there. They're a little cleaner than the Jordan River. But the word of the Lord came forth and said, go to the Jordan River and wash yourself seven times. Everybody shout seven. seven. Woo, seven. Seven is the number of completion. It's the number of completion. We could walk through, and I don't have time. I planned on it before service went this way, walking you through some of the number of completion. It was uh, uh, establishing creation on the seventh day he rested. All was complete. Seven is the number of God that means completion, perfection. It is finished, but he's still working on me tonight. I'm still living in the sixth day right now. But there's coming a day in the not-so-distant future that I'm going to live in that perfection. Come on. Praise God. If you can conquer your flesh in the sixth day, don't you miss what I'm telling you right now. On the sixth day, God created man out of the dust of the earth. Oh, Lord. Y'all going to make me preach it now. On the third day, he created the soil, separated, put the dirt. And he said, whatever seed goes into this ground, that's the fruit that's going to come forth. You with me? Day three. On day six, he scooped up that dirt that had law in it of sowing and reaping. And then he breathed on that dirt and he said, this will be called man. I'm telling you that the law of sowing and reaping was put into man. But what man could not get control of in dominion on the sixth day of creation ultimately kept him from uh, fulfilling and understanding the power of what happens on the seventh day. There was no rest for the soul of man because his flesh was not 
subjected to the power of dominion that was given to him on creation. Some of us are stuck in the sixth day and our flesh is controlling us. And we don't like the way God's told us to do things. And there's some things that we disagree with about with God. But I'm telling you right now, there is another step for us when we begin to walk in dominion and authority. You're going to begin to feel the rest of the seventh day. Some time ago, I preached a message here called the second dimension of rest. Coming to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. There's a second dimension to rest. There's a second level of rest. When he said, come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. The first dimension of rest was simply that, rest in your body. There's rest. There's, there's rest from the weariness of life. And then he, he goes on one more time, and he says to him uh, that he was going to give rest again. But it's a whole different word. This time, even in uh, the Greek language, the word rest, it was a different word than it is. We use rest in the English twice, but it's a completely different word. It's It's a word of settling. It's a word of being able to establish yourself and be settled down. The first one, he said, come to me and just let me give you rest. Rest your mind. Rest your body. But the second dimension of rest was that now that you found me, you can stop looking because you have found perfection and you have found the rest wherein the weary find rest. God has been calling some people, and I felt this in the Holy Ghost, who are stuck in the sixth day cycle. It's the same thing over and over. You knew it was wrong. You knew it was out of alignment. You knew it wasn't the will of God, but you just keep on doing it. And you're hoping someday that God will just go ahead and let you feel that perfection anyhow. Woo-wee. Weren't y'all just dancing a minute ago? Mm-hmm. I'll tell you why. Because God ain't going to change his mind. Until you get dominion in the sixth day cycle of flesh, you'll never understand the seventh day of rest. Some of us are stuck in cycles of our flesh over and over and over. And we've got mad at people for, for contradicting what we felt. We got mad at preachers for preaching against it. And we keep taking it to the Lord and saying, when am I finally going to find rest? You're going to find rest when you put that to rest. I know we got some other men in here that have sat behind a pastor's desk before. And I want to tell you what I found in 25 plus years of ministry. I'm going to tell you what I found. I found that people that sit down, that you talk to at the desk, usually you're talking to them about the same thing you did last time. People get out of prison. When they get out of prison, they usually don't try something new. They'll go do the same thing they did before. They call them in the court system repeat offenders. Because they'll go do the same thing they did before and they'll go right back to the same place they were. That shouldn't be foreign to people in the church because we know exactly what it is. We're stuck in the same old cycle. It's the same old thing. Fall into the same thing. It's the same old temptation that we fall to over. I know this isn't new. This is try- I'm trying to help somebody in here tonight. You're stuck without rest. You feel good on Sunday night because you get blessed. You get a little bit of relief. Dance a little bit. Shout a little bit. You go home, lay down by yourself. And you're laying there and your head won't stop. Your brain won't stop. You're stuck in the six-day cycle. What am I going to do? How am I going to fix it? How am I going to get out? You're going to have to find rest. You're going to have to come to the presence of the Lord. Somebody tonight before we leave here is going to lay some things down that you're tired of fighting. Come on. Come on. I'm prophesying that tonight. 
Somebody's going to leave here different than you walked in here tonight. And then there's going to be some folks that are going to leave out here exactly the same way that they came in. It's because they don't want to walk in dominion. They're comfortable where they are. And that's all right with them if that's where they stay. But there is another measure for you. I believe tonight if you're willing, you can find rest. Let me hurry. So Naaman, the prophet told him, he said, go to Jordan, dip seven times. Seven times. Why seven times? The same. Elijah told the servant when he came back he said I, I, I don't see anything he said I hear the sound of abundance of rain he said, well, I, I, I know what you heard but I don't see anything he said go again seven times why seven times it's the number of perfection it's God working God is trying to perfect some things go again seven times how many of you be alright if he just work it on out in you tonight that'd be alright and so what we find is that Naaman wasn't real happy about having to go seven times I would imagine that if he was frustrated before when he got there, and if you've read the story, you know what I mean. I'll explain briefly that Naaman was upset when he got there because Elisha didn't come out to greet him himself. He sent a servant out to greet him. He was like, do you know who I am? I come all this way, and now the servant's going to tell him something that he didn't want to hear. I would imagine if he was frustrated before that he was livid. When the prophet said, go to the Jordan River and dip seven times. Seven times. In the filthiest, dirtiest water that's anywhere around here. And so he starts naming some other rivers that are closer. Oh God, man, I wish I could preach this right now. He said, there's got to be something that's more convenient for me than obedience. I know there's a river that's closer than this one that I would like better. Mm. But the healing wasn't just in a river. It was in a river. It was in the river of Jordan. It wasn't just a river. The prophet didn't say, pick the way that you want and that's where you'll find healing. He said, I'm going to have you pick the way that I tell you to go and that's where you'll be healed. It is still not a foreign concept to us to love convenience more than we love obedience. I know I'm preaching right now. It's easier for us to find an, an easy way out. The path of least resistance. He said, well, surely, surely, surely. There's an easier way that we can do this. Listen, I'm going to tell you all something tonight. And, 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 and you know this. Sure as you're breathing, you know this. There is no easy way to destroy your flesh. It's the most expensive thing you'll ever do in your life. It's the most costly thing that will ever happen to you. When you lay yourself down, do you think it was cheap for Jesus to be crucified? Do you believe that Jesus really bled and died? Do, do, do you really believe that his pinky toe was as crucified as his back that took 39 stripes? Do you believe that? I believe he was crucified from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. And here is what I'm saying to you that some of us start rejoicing on Sunday night when we get partially crucified because it's just enough to get us relief. Oh my. We'll crucify our flesh just enough that there's proof that we've been beat on, but we're still breathing. I heard it said somebody trying to destroy the idea of the death, burial, and resurrection, they said, well, he wasn't really dead. He had just bled so much that he passed out. Yeah, people are really trying that. He just passed out. 
he, he, he didn't have any blood and he had just passed out. Well, he was passed out for three days. <laughs> and when he woke up from being passed out on the third day, he didn't look like he did when he went in. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying there is always transformation that happens after crucifixion. Now, you don't have to like this, but I'm telling you it's a Bible precedent. Jesus was so changed after he was crucified that men who had walked with him didn't even recognize him. He had to open their understanding for them to know who he was. And I'm telling you, I still believe that when you've really been saved and you've really been converted, that there will be people who knew you before that won't even recognize what you've become. I don't believe in this. Get a little bit of relief and go right back to doing it. I still believe in the converting, life-changing power of the blood of Jesus. Come on, you can sit there and stare like you've been baptized in pickle juice. But I believe it's right. It'll change your life. Got a bunch of half-dead folk. I wish I could tell you how many times I heard my granddad preach it. Someone been baptized, didn't have the Holy Ghost, got the Holy Ghost, and had been baptized. He'd say, they're half born. Well, half born means you're only half dead. Come on now. It's about completion. Somebody say completion. Seven is the number of completion. So let me walk you on a journey. Oh, God, I'm telling you, I, I want God to help somebody in here tonight. I could have let you just shout and dance a little bit. But God's got to root some things up in our spirits tonight. So he goes to the water finally. After he got in his chariot and said, I'm just going to go back home. But somebody got a hold of him and said, Naaman, look. You've come this far. Why would you turn around and go back home the way you are when you're this close to deliverance? Thank God for somebody that will speak a little sense to us. And so Naaman finally gets to the water. He jumps in that water and he dips. Now this is the picture I got today. I got this high class man. A man of war. A mighty man of valor. But now he has no dignity. Because he's standing in the Jordan River. And he knows if somebody sees me in here right now, when they walk by, they're going to make fun of me. Because I'm standing in this muddy, filthy water. Listen, people will never truly understand the obedience in your life if they haven't obeyed themselves. People that have not submitted themselves to the will of God will never understand why you have. And so here he is. He dunks himself. I, I was going to get one of these young girls up here to help me to act like Naaman, but I'm not, I'm not going to hurt your feelings. Naaman jumps off out there, and he's got a little pride on that first round, you know. He steps off in the water, and he's looking around a little bit. What if somebody sees me walking in here? This, this, this is foolish, because when you walk by faith into a promise, there's really no evidence that anything's going to happen. And he walks into the water saying, what if it don't work? And it's not recorded, but I just got to believe there was somebody right there close who said, just get in there. What if it does? You know what I am? I'm that voice for somebody in here tonight. I'm that voice that's speaking to somebody in here tonight. You've been saying, I don't know if I should go or not. I don't even know if it's going to work on Sunday night. Hey, what if it does? 
What if tonight's the night? What if tonight's the night you finally get up out of your seat, make your way to this altar, and you leave this house? What if tonight's the night? So he's looking around, make sure nobody's watching. You keep your eyes out. You, matter of fact, you turn around. Don't even watch me. Don't you turn around. Don't you, don't you look at me. He looks around and grabs his nose. Ah! <laughs> oh, that's so gross. This is so foolish. I don't like this. He dunks two times. Three times. Four times. Five times. There ain't no difference. I'm starting to think this preacher's just an idiot. He told me to get, surely, by five times, there'd be some kind of a change in me. Some of us are getting impatient in the process. I've been, I've been going to church now, pastor, for three weeks. It ought to all be fixed. It didn't fall apart in three weeks. It ain't going to get fixed in three weeks. Come on, somebody. Name. What is that? That's so disgusting. I'm pretty sure I got a dirt dog in my mouth. What is that? Watch me now. And he's frustrated. He's frustrated because he's walking in obedience. And I'm going to preach to you right here. I'm telling you, if I've heard from the Lord, I've heard from him right here. Listen. By the time he's dunked himself six times, he has now obeyed more than he hasn't. Oh, Lord, I'm going to preach right here. He has already obeyed more than he's disobeyed. But the commandment for obedience was not to dip six times. Oh, I want to help you in here tonight. Some of us are stuck. Because we got too many churches in the United States of America right now that are celebrating people on their fifth and sixth dip. Ah, you're close enough. But after obeying more than he had disobeyed, he was still a leper. And that's what's going on with some of us. We say, well, I've done everything that you've asked me to do except for just, I mean, almost everything. I mean, I'm trying to live right. I'll never forget. Sister Martha and Brother Richard were there in the revival Next door, Daddy was preaching, and he walked up to one of the new folks. They weren't even convert yet. We talked about this some time ago. He walked up to this dude. He said, now I know they thought this was weird. He walked up, and my dad said, hey, you got any cigarettes? So the joker just reached in his pocket. Pulled out cigarettes. My dad said, can I have one? He gave him a cigarette. I mean, he was just happy that he blessed the preacher, I guess. I don't know. So he's the kind of preacher I want, man. Yeah. My dad, y'all don't know if you remember this, Mom. Dad took that cigarette. Now, I'm just guessing. I, I don't know. So don't quote me on this. I'd say there was no less than probably 15 or 20 people there that night addicted to nicotine. At least. And my dad... 
took that cigarette and he got up there and he was going to start preaching and he took that cigarette and he stood it up just like this right here on the platform and it stood must have been a good one that dude must have packed it down good and he stood it up and it stood right there on the podium without help and my dad said somebody in here is going to be lost over that Well, you got to watch them old hellfire and brimstone preachers. Somebody. Going to be lost. Over that. Now, boy, I could really preach it for you tonight. What? I was just checking the time to see how long I'd been preaching. Somebody. And I'm not even saying you got to look at porn. I'm saying Facebook's enough for some of you. Somebody's going to be lost because they can't get control over it. But I've already obeyed more than I've disregarded. And you can find a church somewhere that will celebrate you over five or six dips in the Jordan River. Boy, they've come a long ways. Now, I'm going to get old-fashioned on you right here, so don't you leave me. But I don't believe in celebrating halfway deliverance. I'm not saying some things don't take time. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But I still believe in the power of obedience. I still believe that you can walk up to this altar, a drug addict, and leave this altar healed in Jesus' name. I believe somebody in here that's been dependent on a bottle can walk in here tonight and declare at this altar, I've had my last drink and I'll never have another one. And you can leave here tonight set free by the power of the Holy Ghost. I know you were wanting me to just let you dance your way through it tonight, but I'm going to preach to you and give you a reason to dance. I still believe. An old-fashioned conversion. I don't know if I've ever shared this story. Cody, I don't know if I ever told you the story about the night your granddaddy got baptized. Did I ever tell you that? Big old tall man. I think he was like 6'5", 6'6". He's big. He called my granddad in the middle of the night, and he was drunk as Cooter Brown. He called, told Brother Bingham, he said, I, I want to be baptized. Brought him over here to the old building where my office is now. The baptistry was in there. Big old brother Merrill. My granddad was, what was he, 5'10", 5'9", something like that. Brother Merrill, 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Brother Merrill was so drunk. And he was a big boy, too. Brother Merrill was a big boy. I mean, a big old boy. My granddad got him in that water. He was so drunk. He said, man, I knew. And he, Now, Brother Bing was pretty stout. He said, but I knew I had my work cut out for me. He said, because he was just absolute dead weight. He was just drunk as could be, standing in that water. 
He said, Larry Merrill, upon the profession of your faith, because you have repented of your sins and desire to be baptized, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And when Larry Merrill came up out of that water, he was as sober as a newborn baby. I still believe. I don't believe you've got to live the rest of your life wrestling with that devil. Oh, Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost. Can I be real and tell you tonight that we got to quit patting six dippers on the back? Because he was as much a leper on the sixth dip down as he was on the first. I believe this ought to be a church of deliverance. Woo! I know the devil's already talking to some people in here right now. I can hear it. And what the devil ain't doing, silly people are giving you looks. The devil's working on you right now. See? You might as well throw in the towel and quit. Because you've been coming for a while. And you ain't got free yet. I know you probably never heard me say this. But the devil is a liar. I said the devil... Is a lot. What I'm saying to you is, this may be your sixth dip down, but you are one step away. God have mercy. I feel him in here right now. There's some things about obedience that I just can't explain. There's some things about the Bible that I just can't explain. And I want to tell you, it wasn't because the Lord needed 75 more gallons of water to flow over his body with one more dip. It was because he was told that that was the measure of faith and obedience. And when you walk in obedience, you will be healed. can't imagine getting to the coming of the Lord and still arguing with whether or not the seventh was required. Well, I think the Holy Ghost is a wonderful thing, but I don't necessarily think it's for everybody. You're stuck on five dips. I can't imagine being that close to obedience. Well, I, 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 yeah, but I, I don't think I need to be baptized in Jesus' name. Go one more time. I, I, I was teaching a Bible study to a man the other day. He was asking me about Jesus' name, baptism, Brother McClain. He said, I've already been baptized three times. I said, ooh, but this next one. Because you ain't ever felt anything in your life like to say the name of Jesus being invoked. On, hey, there is power in the name of Jesus. Why does it matter? Because I want to do it the way the Bible said it. I want to be sure if it's seven times that I perfect the plan. God have mercy. Let me hurry. I'm about done. Listen. I'm going to tell you there's a danger. There's a danger in the atmosphere like we feel tonight. 
There's a reason why I felt the Holy Ghost nudging me to move forward. I've been doing this all my life. And you just mark it down when I tell you, and I'm not saying this out of arrogance. I, I mean that sincerely. But there's a time on just about any Sunday night, most, most any Sunday night, that the Holy Ghost is moving. You could push it right over the top, let people dance and shout and just walk out. You can say the right things, sing the right things, get people moving just right, and you can leave. But tonight there's a reason why I refused to do that. Because somebody is so close to a breakthrough in here that you just about got lost in the shuffle. And you've come and you've danced and you've shouted and it's felt good and it's been wonderful. But there's one more thing that God wants you to do. Pastor, my eternity is not going it, to, it, it's not predicated on one thing. You know, Jesus told the rich young ruler. Come on. You've heard me preach it. He said, one thing, one thing thou lackest. Can't you just celebrate me? I've dipped six times. Yeah, but one thing thou lackest, Naaman. The prophet said seven times in the Jordan, where you're going down matters, how you're going down matters, and how many times you go down matters. It is a matter of completing the plan. If you want to be whole, you got to finish the plan. And so here's what I know. America complicates a lot of things. I've had people say to me before, why do you guys see so many miracles overseas that we don't see here? I'm going to tell you why. Because in America, you can medicate it. You can get a doctor to write you something for anything. Got heartburn. So you get heartburn medicine. Six months later, you got colitis, and you got stomach ulcers and all kinds of stuff. So you got to get medicine for that, too, because the... Talked to somebody the other day. They were talking about depression medicine. I said, have you noticed that one of the side effects of depression medicine is depression? Listen to it when they talk real fast on the radio and they're telling you to take this medicine, then they go, please consult your physician. They say it so fast you don't even hear. I'm taking this to fix my depression, but I'm more depressed than I've ever been. Let me tell you why. Because you hadn't finished the plan. I told my, my, my wife, my mother, we were talking the other day, Bishop, we were all sitting around talking. I sat in a meeting the other day. Where it was an apostolic meeting and they tried to convince everybody in the room that they had mental disorders. I'm not kidding. I, I'm not kidding you. They got going in there. One, the, the night before, the man of God got up and said, we're going to have a discussion in the morning about some of the things that some of you have been delivered from tonight. And this counselor got up the next morning and said, I know some of you may have claimed your healing and deliverance last night, but you need to follow it up with a good plan. And get you some treatment and counseling. I'm, I'm not against getting help. But if you hadn't prayed in six months, that may have something to do with your depression. I'm still convinced that a little prayer, a little fasting will go a long way.
Not only do we have to pray for people to get healed from what's wrong with them, we got to pray for them for the side effects of what they've been taking for six months to get it fixed. I'm telling you what I know in the Holy Ghost. Mind-altering drugs are a unique way to hide devils. I'm being honest. Why don't we see as many devils cast out? Because they know how to medicate them away. They're not delivered, but they're hiding. There is a deliverance. I got to thinking about it this morning. I believe this with all my heart. There is a deliverance power that's coming to the end time church. Mm. And I've told you these stories for a reason tonight. That if God can take a man that's inebriated on alcohol and erase the effects of that alcohol in a baptistry. I believe God can take a man or a woman that still got cocaine powder around their nose holes and set them free in the watery grave of baptism. God have mercy. It's time for the church to rise up and be the church. But we, we, we got to get, get powerful enough to admit that we celebrated way too many folks before they go down the seventh time. I believe that God is about to show himself so mighty in the end time church that folks are going to walk through the doors and before the, the music ever starts, before the preacher ever preaches, I'm, I'm speaking this in Jesus' name, that we're going to see it in the days not so distant future that is to come in this church. They're going to walk through the doors of this church and be delivered when they walk into the lobby. I'm declaring in Jesus' name that you are a walking embassy of heaven. You are ambassadors of another world. And God's about to begin to use you. You're going to walk into public places and lay hands on people. And they will be free right then and right there. Come on, let's stand together tonight. Hallelujah. There's got to be more to this than just getting folks to come to church. I want them to come. I want them to be here. I want you to be here every time the doors are open. But there's something more powerful to this walk than sitting on a pew. There is demonstration and power that God can show you in your life when you begin to walk in obedience. Obedience. Why didn't it work on the sixth time? Because that wasn't what the prophet said. Why did it work on the seventh time? Because it was full obedience. I don't know. I don't have an answer. Other than it was the plan of God. And when the plan of God was completed, the man was made whole. I don't know how. Repenting of your sins and being baptized in Jesus' name and being filled with the Holy Ghost can absolutely turn you around and turn your life inside. I don't understand it. I'll never understand how somebody can come to an altar, throw their hands up in the air and yield to the Holy Ghost and never be addicted again. But I do know it happens. So tonight, I know that what we're supposed to do right now is get you hyped up, get you dancing, shouting, 
But I want to make you uncomfortable. And if you're tired of fighting, the same old fight. I know. I believe in 12-step programs too. But I also believe in however many steps it is from your pew to this altar. And I know that when we say everybody come, it makes it a little bit easier. But I, I'm going to help you right here. I want every head bowed. Every eye closed. If you're in this room tonight and you want the power of God to sweep over your spirit and you want to take whatever steps you've got to take to be completely free tonight, I want you to step out. Nobody's looking and if they are, they're being disobedient. So I just want you to step out right now and I want you to make your way to this altar and say, Lord, tonight is the night that I'm going to let you complete this process in me. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost moving in here right now. Come on. Thank you for your obedience to the Holy Ghost right now. Lord, you began the good work in me and you're going to complete this work in me. Uh, you're going to complete this thing in me. Come on, can't nobody pray for you right now. Can't nobody get delivered for you right now. You got to open up your mouth and tell him, Lord, I'm going to obey your plan. I'm going to obey your word. And if I don't understand it, I trust your plan. Even when I don't know how you're doing it or what's going on, I trust your plan. And if your word said that's what I got to do, then that's what I'm going to do tonight. Woo, there is deliverance in this room right now. Oh, yes, there is. Oh, yes. Come on, let him touch you tonight. Oh, God, I've given you everything in my life but this one thing. So tonight I lay it down. I give it to you. I'm laying down my pride. I'm laying down my shame. I'm laying it down. 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 And tonight I will be made whole. Reach out and touch him.